Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. There is more to know about God than just creation. Now, if we're not marveled by creation, we might not be marveled by His Word either. We ought to be marveled by both. And if we are marveled by creation, then we need to the best of our abilities learn to read so that we can learn more perfectly the thing that will convert us all the way down to the inside that no matter what our friends say no matter what our boss says no matter what the government says we know what's true and we keep living it mount Perrin primitive baptist church meets regularly two times a week our regular worship service is on sunday at 10:30 a.m eastern and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. Psalm 19 is a marvelous twofold testimony of the glory of God and a sure foundation teaching us that He deserves all our praise, honor, and glory. The first six verses of this psalm give abundant evidence for the fact that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. All mankind owes its existence to God and His Son since the worlds were framed by the word of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus testified that the creation account in Genesis was a true record. Therefore, especially those professing Christianity should believe the creation account to be true. However, the sweet psalmist of Israel does not stop there. David reminds us that God has written to us, his children, and told us in his word how wondrous he is and what marvelous things he has done for us. David delighted in the law of God, having only a few books of the Old Testament. We should delight even more, seeing that we have the mysteries of God unfolded to us in the New Testament and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19. We will begin in verse 7, after this scripture song taken from this text.
This week I would like to look at the second part of that twofold testimony that is given to us about who God is and His glory. That it starts in verse 7. Now just to remember what David has already told us, and that is that there is not a single rational human being walking around the face of this earth that can deny there is a Creator God. The heavens have declared it. The word goes out everywhere. The sun reaches, the sun even reaches Antarctica, folks. And so there is testimony that God is there and that he deserves to be glorified by his creation. Because if we simply look out at the sky and we think, oh, that's kind of neat, um, we're not a very deep thinker. Um, but the more we study things about creation around us, the more we are going to see how complex things are and how wondrously wrought everything is round about us. So I mentioned to you last week, some of the best scientists went into studying creation to discover more about God and as they even wrote the laws that we use in physics today, Sir Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton went into his studies believing in a creator God. During his studies, he believed in a creator God. And when he got done, he believed in a creator God. So that tells me his laws that he wrote down, he was writing down laws that he discovered that God had done. Because it didn't change his belief. Science and religion do not have to be mutually exclusive. That means science and religion can go together. The key, though, is it's got to be good science and it's got to be good religion. <laughs> if one or the other is messed up, they're not going to work out well together, and you're going to get confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. And so we have this testimony. The whole human race has a testimony of the existence and the glory of God and His majesty and His power. And we even get some ideas of the attributes of God in nature itself. In particular, the faithfulness of God. Now, that might seem like a small thing. That's the one that when people are trying to prove the existence of God, they don't spend a lot of time on. But that's the thing that I need today. That's the thing that every one of us needs all the time to remember about God is that He is faithful. Why, why do I need that one the most? Because I'm not faithful. <laughs> and if I was like a foolish Galatian and thought I had to do something to get or maintain my salvation, I would not only be a fool, I would be miserable. But the sun came up today. The sun came up yesterday. And I'm trusting that it will continue doing that until the Lord works, till, excuse me, until the Lord returns, because God designed His creation showing His faithfulness to us. But God didn't stop there. Now, the first question that somebody might ask is, well, why didn't God tell man everything right from the beginning? I don't know. <laughs> He is sovereign, and He can reveal Himself 
as He wills. If we're continually getting stuck on that question, we haven't looked at the sky enough. If we look at the sky, if we look at how the sun works, if we look at the sun and the moon and the stars, if we look at just how grass grows in a field uh, untouched by man, then we're going to get closer to the glory and power of God, and then that question's going to quickly flee out of our minds. Well, if he could do that, then it's pretty much his choice of how he tells me when and how he did stuff. And I'll also be honest with you, I don't know if we could take it all at once. <laughs> and so he is a great teacher. He has given us a schoolmaster of creation or a primer, if you will. You got the elementary school part of it for everybody to understand. But God has revealed more and has explained some things that are out there in nature and has explained some more about his character and what he has done for us. And so David says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. First of all, the law of the Lord. The King James translators gave an alternate word there, doctrine. Basically what that's saying is everything that God has declared. Let's think for a second of what David had. David had the five books of the law. He may have had the book of Job at his disposal. He, the chronicles and books of first Kings, he may have had the, the writings of first and second Samuel, but he's in them. And so those weren't really there for him to read yet. He had some of his own writings and maybe there were some other folks writing Psalms at that time that we have. We're not sure, but David had a very, very small part of what we call the Bible. And David declared that it's perfect, that it is complete. Listen to what I'm saying. David said that was enough. Why? Because David delighted that God had shown him something. <laughs> he was so delighted in God that he was like a kid going into a candy store that was given something that he didn't have before. Oh, that we could have that kind of passion and desire for the Word of God. That we get giddy when we're given one morsel. But even more than that, David calls it perfect. That means it's complete. That means in David's time, there was enough given to him for him to trust God. We're really without excuse now, aren't we? If we don't believe and trust God... If we have been changed by the Holy Spirit, if faith has been placed in us, then we're without excuse of saying, well, God's not there. There's nothing to trust in Him. Oh, yes, there is. Because the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That gets down in there, down deep. <laughs> that it can not only convince the mind... It's going to convince our whole being because that's what our soul has been testifying all along. But something we need to notice about that is David doesn't say this about 
the created nature that's round about us that we can see. He says this about the Word of God. And so we are not at liberty to stop with just enjoying nature or creation. You may be familiar with an old folk psalm called, uh, "'Tis the gift to be simple." "'Tis the gift to be simple." "'Tis the gift to be free." "'Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be." And when we find ourselves in a place just right, we'll be in the valley of love and delight. It's a cute little folk song, but I know the religion that's behind it. <laughs> and it was the idea that in order to find God, we just had to return to nature. David didn't call that perfect. We should be looking at creation and glorifying God for it. But folks, just to live a simple life is not enough. There is more to know about God than just creation. Now, if we're not marveled by creation, we might not be marveled by His Word either. We ought to be marveled by both. And if we are marveled by creation, then we need to the best of our abilities learn to read and practice reading so that we can learn more perfectly the thing that would convert us all the way down to the inside, that no matter what our friends say, no matter what our boss says, no matter what the government says, we know what's true and we keep living it. When I was a boy, it was very easy to be a Christian. It's not as easy now. But it ain't difficult either, folks. We have been blessed here in the United States of America for over 250 years of religious freedom that the rest of the world doesn't see and doesn't experience. Have we taken it for granted and say, well, it'll always be there? There's no guarantee of that. The Lord's church will be on the earth when he returns, but will it be in this location? That's kind of up to us as to whether we want it and we're desirous of it. If we're continuing to be the salt of the earth and the light of the Lord where we're at, then the Lord probably will be joyful to keep us here and to keep his church here for us. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. To testify of something is to make a proclamation that something that you're saying is true. Over in the book of Hebrews, we learn that God, who could swear by no greater, swore by himself. Jehovah, the all-existing one, has testified some things. And that testimony is sure. Now, do we know what that word means? If something is sure, it's permanent. It can be trusted. So what David is telling us is what he found in the law, that testimony that God gave to him and to us through Moses was a foundation that was enough to trust God and to trust what he had done. Part of what he had had the account of Abraham in it, didn't it? 
So David had the testimony of Abraham's life. Abraham had far less than what Moses or David had, and he believed God, and he trusted God. Did he do it all the time? No. I have a saying, Abraham went south, both literally and figuratively. When he went south to Egypt, he was not obeying the Lord, and he didn't trust the Lord, and he got nervous, and he lied, and he put everybody in danger. But God was faithful through all of it and still delivered him. Why? Because Abraham was faithful? No, he wasn't faithful. God delivered Abraham because God told Abraham, of thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And if Abraham got killed down there, that ain't going to happen. Now, don't tempt God. He has ways of delivering you that don't feel pleasant. <laughs> Just look at some of the testimony of the patriarchs in the, in the Bible. The Lord delivered them in their disobedience, but it was downright miserable. David was a perfect example. Many times the Lord continued to deliver him, but he had some timely chastisements that were gut-wrenching. Having his own son try to take his throne and kill him. But the testimonies of the Lord are sure. They're trustworthy. There are a lot of things in the world today that are not trustworthy, which means they're not sure. If I were to ask you what news source you trusted, can anybody name one? If you can, you need to fact check yourself. <laughs> And that's nothing new. Sometimes journalists will write the truth. Many times journalism is skewed in one direction or the other for various reasons. I thought it was just a common phenomenon, but when we were down in Savannah this past week, uh, Joan and I were looking from, through some newspapers from during World War II. And one of the headlines about the invasion of Normandy, D-Day, said few casualties. That was a lie. <laughs> I know why it was there. It's because if America knew what happened in that one day, might have lost their resolve. I'm not trying to justify it. I just think I know why they did that. But what I'm saying is I wouldn't trust that newspaper from that point on once I saw that headline. And so God has given us a brain to investigate and to check things, and we should. But where is the one source that we can go to find out whether what we're hearing is true? This word, the testimony, the Bible, it is sure. Do not let the devil win this argument again. He won it in the garden, and he's been winning it for 6,000 years. Yea, hath God said... Don't doubt. Don't let anybody try to tell you that what you have in your hands cannot be trusted. Folks, one of the main tactics that they try to do now about those that would promote the, the superiority of the King James Bible is they're going to attack King James. King James didn't translate it. And even if he did, the Lord made a mule talk. Okay? 
The Lord can get His point across, and He did. And for over 400 years, His Word has been preserved in the English language. We have it. It can be trusted. Are there some true sayings in others? Yes, there are. But what I've found in this and what many have found for 400 years is this is what the new versions compare themselves to. But the devil's winning that argument again because I don't know how many versions of the Bible there are in the English language. And I don't know at what point you say, oh, that's, that's gone off too far, can't trust it anymore. So I don't see the point in jumping off the reservation. I don't see the point in running away from something that has stood the test of time, that has proven that his words have been tried by fire, that they're refined as silver, and they're here. We have them. They're sure. The deal is, if we're not trusting God, you know what that means? We're not reading it enough. And so learn. So, Brother Bryce, I read awfully slow. Oh, you need to sit down with me. I read very, very slow when it comes to comprehension. Now, I can read a phrase off pretty fast, but that doesn't mean I understand it. What I'm talking about is it might take more time for you to read something and understand it than it does for somebody else. That doesn't mean that we quit. Here's what I have found. The more that I read of the Bible, the easier it is to understand the next time I read. I guarantee you that if I don't read, it's going to be the exact opposite. When I come back to it, it's hard to understand again. But what we have here, this Word of God is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What God has declared, His statutes, His laws, those things are right. Why are they right? Because they're founded and they came from righteousness Himself. Our country has gone the way of the rest of the world and started to declare things to be lawful that the Bible says are sin. It doesn't matter what man says. God says that's not right. His statute says what is right and what is wrong. His statute says what is righteousness and what is sin. And we're not at liberty to just change that. Now the problem, the next step that happens in most societies is once something has been declared lawful and you preach against it or you say something against it, then they start labeling you and make your statements unlawful by the word of the land. They did that to every prophet in the Bible. They fight against the Lord's people that way. Don't give in. Because the Lord is sure. The Lord is right. And also notice this. Rejoicing the heart. What rejoices the heart? I enjoy shooting guns. I enjoy going fishing. I enjoy a lot of activities. But do they rejoice my heart? That's something that lasts. 
an event that I would do. Now, as I mentioned to you before, God designed us to enjoy his creation. And so we can. But David doesn't say that about creation. David says when he gets into the word of God, it rejoices his heart. Folks, he was reading Leviticus when he said that. <laughs> now, you know that's true. That's a hard book to read sometimes. But David found that God had given him something. We know from the end of this psalm that David came to the conclusion and looking at creation and looking at the word of God, eh, I'm not much. So that tells me that if we're not delighting in what God has given us in his word, we think way too much of ourselves. If we think we deserve something else. Folks, we have church. We have the name Jesus. We know how he did it. And we know that every other promise that he said he has fulfilled and he has promised that he is coming back for us. And in the meantime, he has promised and said that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. amazing that's rejoicing the heart now I don't even know if my children know this story and so this might embarrass them a little bit but when sister Terry and I first met it was some interesting things I've told y'all some of those stories I'll tell you some more but my freshman year in college I was actually interested in somebody else. But Terry's face and her name kept popping up in my head. And through my freshman year in college, when I would go check my mailbox, because that's what we used to do because nobody had email yet, I would open the mailbox and for a time I would enjoy getting letters from this other person. But then I found over time that I was getting more excited when I was getting letters from Sister Terry. And I realized I'm focusing on the wrong person. If this letter is delighting me and this one is not, my point is this. There are a lot of things in the world that we can learn. If we read the word of God enough, though, we're going to find that we truly delight in that. And we're going to see we don't need these other things as much. I'm not speaking against higher education. Y'all know that I'm not. I hold degrees. My kids are going to college or going to some kind of advanced training. You just pretty much got to do that unless you want to work a minimum wage job. You need some training. And so I am for higher education. But my point is this, as much as I delight sometimes in the things that I studied in school, when I realize that the Bible was written for me, 
It was written for me. It was written for all the children of God. I know this for certain. There is not a single music education book or music theory book written for me. I know some of the guys that wrote, I wrote one. (laughs) They didn't know me. The Lord knows us and delights in us. And so we should delight in him. What a wondrous thing to consider that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son for us. And he also has written a personal letter to us telling us how amazing he is and how much he loves us. I hope these facts have moved you to read and study the Bible more. Please join us again next week for the conclusion of the message, The Law of the Lord is Perfect. We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all, is our prayer. Amen.